Well, today is Pentecost Sunday. Um, Forty days after Jesus' resurrection, his disciples, several followers of Jesus Christ, were gathered in a large room for prayer. And it was while they were in the midst of that that God poured out his Holy Spirit on everyone present. There was the sound of blowing wind, rushing wind that shook the building. There were tongues of fire that came down and was lighting on each person. It was phenomenal. And a very audible, visible outpouring of God's spirit. And it attracted a crowd. People came to see what was going on and it opened a door for Peter and the disciples to tell everyone present about the new life that was available to them because of Jesus' death and his resurrection. This Sunday marks 40 days after our Easter observation, our Easter service, and is the Sunday that we remember and celebrate that first Pentecost. And we're starting a new message series this morning on the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And everyone who puts their faith in Jesus to rescue them uh, from death, to give them eternal life, everyone who asks Jesus into their life as Savior and Lord is given his spirit. Not in the dramatic room-shaking kind of way that they saw at Pentecost, but in just as real a way. His Holy Spirit abides in you, comes to live in you, and there are three major benefits or outcomes of that happening. If you want to pull out your message notes, we're going to look at those, and this is just uh, kind of by way of introduction to this series, but The first thing is, we receive new life and a new nature. Jesus now lives in you. His life is never going to end. He died, and behold, he lives forevermore, like it says in the book of Revelation. He's never going to die again. And his life in us is a guarantee that we have eternal life. And that's what's represented in our baptism. Uh, It's a living picture we're putting on display, especially when we do baptism by immersion. Just as Christ died and was laid into the tomb and then rose again on Sunday, our act of baptism, in our baptism, we're acting out our death and resurrection. It symbolizes our dying, being laid down in death, and are rising again. It's a beautiful picture of what Christ has done in us and for us. Uh, Here's a couple of scriptures for that, Romans 6, 4. For we died and we were buried with Christ in baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. That's the outcome of Having his spirit in us. Colossians 2.12. For when we were baptized, you were buried with Christ. 
And in baptism, you were also raised with Christ. And um, you're given a new nature, a new life that's never going to end. And I want to kind of bring us back to the bulletin and the announcement that I skipped this morning. On July 7th, we're going to have uh, a picnic together with Bellevue, but we're going to worship together, have a joint worship service at Randy and Linda Busick's home. Uh, we can get the information address and stuff for that later, but they have a pool there. So we're going to have worship together. Uh, I'll bring a short message. And then we're going to have a baptism service. Uh, so that if anyone has not been baptized and would like to be baptized by immersion, I would invite you to that, to, to participate in that part of it. Uh, and then we're going to have an opportunity. They've got an in-ground pool, so regardless of your age, you know, there's steps. You can walk right down into the water. So there'll be opportunity to reaffirm your baptism. Many people were baptized as babies, and they don't remember it. And this is opportunity to, to affirm that and say, yes, I'm claiming that for myself. Uh, there may be some of you who were baptized uh, early in life and then during college or something went and lived a life that was far off from God, and now you're back and you want to reaffirm that and uh, your commitment to Christ. So there's opportunity to do that. And I, the more that uh, I talk about this and pray about it, I just feel in my spirit that God is going to do something amazing that day. And so I'm saying it this far ahead because I want you to get it on your calendar and not plan to go to the beach that day or something that is just going to be so not as powerful and important in your life and significant as what God is going to do in the church that day. So I, I just want to encourage you to, to get that on your calendar and be there. Okay, and then the second major benefit or outcome of Christ's Spirit in you, uh, the Holy Spirit gifts you for ministry. Uh, again, the Holy Spirit is Jesus' Spirit in us, and one of the outcomes is that he will manifest himself. He will show his presence in your life by supernaturally enabling you to do things with excellence or beyond your own ability to do that. And he gifts you or empowers you with these special abilities. Now, I think this is amazing. Uh, Jesus Christ created you. He knows you completely. He knows how you're wired he knows what your passions are, what you love to do, uh, what you're created to do. And so then he gifts you. He's living in you. He gives you his power to do some things beyond your own ability to do them. And I was just thinking about, you know, how that is. Like, you know, like a parent running along behind a kid holding the back of a bicycle or something. And they think they're the one doing it all, you know, and... Uh, and, it, and, and yet, it's Christ there in us, empowering us to, to do these things that we wouldn't be able to do. And every believer, every follower of Jesus Christ has at least one spiritual gift. And I've listed the three primary passages of Scripture where you find the spiritual gifts listed. They're on the back of your uh, bulletin notes today, even though we're not talking about the gifts of the Spirit we're studying them right now. Um, I've put those in there for you. We're going to have a spiritual gifts class this summer. Um, Abby is working with that, and Jim is working with that. And um, 
So there'll be an opportunity to learn more about what your gifts are if you haven't taken that class and what spiritual gifts are in general. Uh, But I wanted to put that in there today as a way to clarify um, the difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the third way that the Holy Spirit um, makes himself present in our lives, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts, and the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit are different. Uh, if you look on the back of your card there, the gifts of their Spirit, uh, not your card, your uh, message notes, the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is given to all believers when they put their faith in Christ. The gifts of the Spirit, on the other hand, are distributed as he decides to each person. And then the gifts are not the same as the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit relates to Christ-like character, and the gifts relate to Christian service. So one is making us more and more like Christ in our character, and the other is um, gifting us to do ministry in the church. So the Holy Spirit, the third way that we experience the Holy Spirit at work in our life is he is working to transform our character. The Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out to be more like Jesus Christ. And as we cooperate with that work that he is doing in us, you begin to see some evidence of that. You'll experience some outcomes or benefits that are real and visible to everyone. People will see the change in you. Uh, And the passage of scripture that this uh, comes from uh, is... Galatians 5, 22 through 25, and this is where Paul lists that uh, list that Forrest gave the kids earlier, if you want to turn in your Bibles, to Galatians 5, 22. Oh, okay. All right. Verse 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. There's no law about having too much love or being too kind. There's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, this amazing gift that we have of Jesus Christ living in us, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And that last verse is actually our memory verse, so let's read it together. Galatians 5.25 Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 Since we live by the Spirit, Jesus in us doing all these marvelous things, let us keep in step with him. Uh, Let's not lag behind him or go our own direction, but keep in step with Jesus. And that's what this series is about, learning how to be more in step with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in your life to make you more like Jesus Christ. And if I could sum up the series uh, for you, it it would be something along the lines of the series is about how to live out the life that has been poured into you. How to live out the life that is in you. 
And we're going to be looking at each of the fruit and the evidences of Jesus' life in you, which Paul lists here in verses 22 and 23, over the course of the summer. And we'll take breaks when I'm on vacation and for the baptism Sunday and things like that. And in your bulletin, you'll find a question there. It says, which of these fruit would you like to like to be more evident in your life? Which of these would you like to experience more fully? Kind of think about that, and I would encourage you to write it down. Because there's something about writing something down that raises the level of our intentionality and our commitment. And then come and hear those messages. Um, Pray about those things. Do Bible study on that fruit or whatever. But today we're starting where Paul started and his list. And we're looking at the fruit of love. And Paul begins his list with love because if you get this right, all the other fruit will follow. If you can love the way that God loved us, if you can love like Jesus loves us, if you can love like God intends for us to love, then all the other fruit... That's going to come. Peace, joy, love, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All that will follow. So we're going to start um, with love. And the Bible has a lot to say about love, right? I mean, the whole Bible is a love story. (laughs) There's like 700 and some verses about love. And what I want to do this morning is take what is probably the most well-known passage about love in the Bible and use that as a picture of what it would look like if love were being perfected in us, if love is being more and more evident in our lives. It's found in John 3.16. It's not our memory verse. I hope you already have it memorized, but let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16. <laughs> so this is a picture of God's love in action. Uh, this is what it looks like to love as God loves. It's God's kind of love. And I want to take this uh, very well-known passage and use it to talk about what will happen in us, what will happen in our hearts when we love like God loves us. And in your message notes, there are three outcomes we'll experience when we let love lead. Paul led with love. If we let love lead, these are some things that we will see an increasing amount of in our lives. And the first is the circle of those we love widens. Huh? Right. I have widens down. I don't know where the blank is. Is it on widens or increases? It's the same thing. It gets bigger. God so loved the world, right? Not one corner of the world, not one group of people, not one color of people, not one economic class of people, not one group called people like us, uh, not just me, not my family, not my church, not just my church. God so loved the world world. Very big circle. Uh, When Jesus has his way in our hearts, his love permeates 
our lives, and that love will move us outside of our comfort zone toward people to include people who we would not have normally loved. And the circle of those that we call are called to care for and share the gospel with expands. It gets bigger. It gets wider. It increases. Jesus came to give new life to everyone. Uh, he was extravagant with his love. And he threw open the door to all kinds of people to enter into life with him. He included everyone in his invitation. So much so that it got the religious leaders angry with him, offended by it. They were offended by the extravagance of his love. Uh, look at Luke 15, 1 and 2. Uh, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such despicable people even eating with them. Jesus loves everyone. Uh, Consequently, he spent a great deal of time with a certain class of people, a group called outcasts. Uh, People the religious leaders thought were outside of, excluded from life in the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus ate and drank with prostitutes, tax collectors, notorious sinners, Does anybody know any notorious sinners? Uh, These are people that are uh, sinners of note, noteworthy sinners. (laughs) Do you know anyone like that? Everyone should have at least one notorious sinner as a friend. I mean, (laughs) you should be able to picture the face of someone that fits that description. Jesus came for that person. You may be his only connection to that person. Jesus loves notorious sinners. And if you are that person, you need to know that Jesus loves you. God loves you. There is nothing that you have ever done that will make him love you less. Because he loves you because of who he is. Not because of who you are or were. Jesus drew the circle wide of those who were invited into the kingdom and when you are in step with jesus and love others like jesus loves you will find yourself drawing an increasingly larger circle um, of people that you include and called love to call are called to love and to serve Uh, god is ascending god he is. He, he sends us on mission in the world. Jesus told his disciples, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world, an ever-widening circle. And then after his ascension, they stayed in Jerusalem. <laughs> it was comfortable in Jerusalem. They liked it in Jerusalem. They were all there together in Jerusalem, listening to the teachers teach and having meals together, potlucks. You know, it was great. And then James lost his head. Stephen was stoned. 
And persecution drove the Christians out of Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And the circle got wider. And Jesus' spirit living in us will compel us to widen the circle, to draw the circle wide and take us out of our comfort zone. And... um, The church for many years has been comfortable in our churches. People came to us in the 50s and 60s. I mean, the churches were packed. We didn't have to go out. But culture is changing. And if churches are going to have any impact, if they're going to continue to fulfill the mission of making disciples, we have to move beyond our walls to widen our circles of influence. Uh, Force and I went down to the free store. Uh, they've been, they've gotten in there. They've started to do some work. So after school, he wanted to see what they had gotten done. So we went down there. We were unlocking the door. Some people came out of the bar, and they were kind of, you know, staring at us and looking at us like, "What are you doing?" And I just felt really uncomfortable, like I was invading their space. And to draw the circle wide, it will take us out of our comfort zone. And what the church has done for many years is uh, to stay in our comfort zone and expect people to leave their comfort zone to come into our comfort zone. And God compels us to leave our comfort zone and take the gospel message to where they are. I'm excited about the, the free store and other opportunities that God is and is going to open up to us to widen the circle, to, to make the love of God visible to others. Uh, Jesus' spirit living in us will enable us to love an ever-widening circle of people and to love an ever-widening set of circumstances. Uh, Jesus' love is extravagant. It's love that chooses to love when we don't have reason to love. Uh, it's loving our enemies. It's loving when the other person doesn't deserve love. It's loving when it's not convenient. I was going to watch a show tonight. I was going to the game. Jesus' love in us widens our circle of who we love and when we choose to love. And then the second outcome of letting love lead is we'll be compelled to action. We're compelled to act. God so loved the world, he gave his son. Uh, When we were separated from God and unable to save ourselves, God put love in action and sent his son to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He came on a rescue mission. And love can't sit idly by when it sees a need, whether it's spiritual or physical or material. First uh, John 3.17 says, If any one of you has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? In other words, the love of God is a love that is full of mercy and compassion and and pity. So if you see something and you don't respond to it, you don't act, there's no action in your love, how can the love of God 
be in you. John said that, I didn't. How can the love be in you if you don't respond? And that's one thing I love about this church is you just take such good care of people in your church. Uh, when you see needs, you know, the Fazoli dinner, everything, um, this is a church that lets the love of God show through them. God was compelled by love to act. Uh, even when it made great, made great, great, took great sacrifice, love acts, and his love will move us to action in all kinds of ways. And, and it causes us to forgive when we don't want to forgive. Uh, it's a love that causes us to respond peacefully instead of with an insult, you know, Dirty Harry works a lot better when it says, make my day, you know. That's what we want to do. (laughs) But God calls us to uh, peace, peaceful responses, um, to be patient instead of rude, to show kindness to others, to put the goodness of God on display, to be faithful. In other words, all the other fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5, those things are love in action. Uh, Paul gives us another picture in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. You can put your name in here, by the way. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not honor, dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's love in action. Because God put his love in action uh, and sent his son to die for us, we have eternal life. But we are also recipients of a better life right now. And we're called to actions that make that life visible and available to others. The fruit of the Spirit is love. When the Spirit of God is in you, he compels you to act, to do something about the spiritual, physical, emotional, relational needs around us. And then the third thing, when we let God's love lead, God's purposes become our priorities. God's purposes become our priorities. The Holy Spirit enables us to love the things that God loves and make what matters to God a priority in our own lives. Uh, Let's look at John 3.16 again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. There's a so that in there. God has a purpose for sending his son. And when we step in, are in step with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in our lives, we discover that our priorities change. We make a priority of the things that lead others towards life in Christ. We begin to love the things that God loves and put our time and energy and resources into the things that matter to God. We give up some of our time so that others can come to know Christ. We put our offerings in the offering plate so that other people will know and love Jesus and so that people get fed and we go out of our way to have Fazoli dinners because, as so that missionaries can be sent around the world and 
All these things that we do so that we can glorify God with our lives. I just want to point out that uh, the thing is, most of us already let love lead. I mean, it's just so natural to do that. Our, our natural tendency is to follow our hearts, to, to follow after the things that we love. The problem is our priorities and the things that we choose to love and pursue aren't always the things that matter most to God. Our priorities can get messed up. Uh, we get tricked into letting sports and uh, our love of our work or hobbies or money take priority over things that really matter. When God's love is leading, we find ourselves loving the things that God loves most and making those a priority in our life. What matters to God most? What is that? God. God loves people, right? People. Healthy relationships uh, within the church that are, make God's love attractive to people. I mean, that was one of the things about the early church was people didn't get it. Why do they love each other so much? That's what was so different about the church and attracted so many people to it. People, healthy relationships, marriages that are loving, that make the love of Jesus Christ for the church visible to others. Uh, People getting connected to God so that they can spend eternity with him. People being fed and clothed and visited when they have a need. The love that is the fruit of the Spirit at work in us is other-centered, not me-centered. And it puts God, his purposes, and other people first. And as God's love fills up more and more of the space in our hearts, the natural outcome is that we align every area of our lives with his purposes and for his glory. And over the summer, we're going to be talking about ways that we can do that so that our lives make a bigger difference. Our church has a bigger impact and will experience the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our lives. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we uh, thank you that you didn't leave us to do this on our own. Uh, It would be impossible without your enabling to love the way you've called us to love, to uh, be transformed in our inner person, to be like you. Uh, So we thank you right now for your Holy Spirit on this Pentecost Sunday and for the love that you've poured into our hearts. We pray that that will just grow and grow so that you'll be glorified and people will know you and love you who don't right now know you, God. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.